Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am Doug Sweeney here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And today we continue with our series on the podcast called Christian Faith at Work. We're interviewing members of our Beeson community who are seeking to advance the reign of God in business and the professions. Kristen will introduce today's guest in just a moment. For now, let me just say that ever since I met John Halsey Wood at the Cathedral Church of the Advent here in Birmingham several months ago, I have been fascinated by his life story. He's a leading businessman in town who also happens to have a PhD in theology. How about that? I don't know many people who have that combination of things in their daily life and daily work. I returned to my office after preaching at his church and told our staff that we have to get John Halsey Wood on Beeson's advisory board. Before we talk with John Halsey, let me tell you about some important admission deadlines here at Beeson. Tomorrow, October 1st, is our spring admission deadline. If you or someone you know is thinking about enrolling in seminary in the spring, please head on over to beesondivinity.com slash admission and start your application today. Also, our next virtual preview day is October 23rd. Registration is open and free. Preview Day is a great way to hear firsthand what Beeson has to offer and to meet many faculty, students, and administrators. Those who attend Preview Day get their $35 application fee waived. Finally, Kristen and her people have put together a fantastic new tour of Hodges Chapel. You can watch it online. Lots of people have done so already and are raving about it. If you would like to do so as well, we invite you to beesondivinity.com slash virtual visit. All right, now, Kristen, would you please introduce today's guest? Welcome, everyone, to the Beeson Podcast, and welcome to our guest today, Dr. John Halseywood, Jr. He is the fourth-generation owner and director of purchasing for Wood Frutiker Grocery Company here in Birmingham. He is a member, as Doug has already said, of Beeson's Advisory Board and the Stockholm Program at Sanford University. Uh, Dr. Wood and his wife and their four children are members of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in downtown Birmingham. And Dr. Wood studied theology at Westminster Seminary and St. Louis University and was a Fulbright Scholar to the Netherlands in 2006, which is pretty cool. He is the author of Going Dutch in the Modern Age, published by Oxford University Press. Dr. Wood, it is so good to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Kristen. It's, it's great to be here with y'all. Thank you. We always like to begin by hearing more of your story. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who are you? Where are you from? And anything about your journey with Jesus Christ? Yeah, sure. I come from an old Birmingham family. I get old as Birmingham is, which is about 100 years old, I guess. So I, I grew up here Grew up in the in my family business, which is where I am now, and grew up in actually a Covenant Presbyterian Church just right across the street from Beeson under uh, Dr. Bill Hay there. 
So I, I came to I came to Christianity by birth. I, I was I was born and baptized in the church and raised in the church and was blessed by that. So that's that's you know kind of the, the short story how I got to where I am. Dr. Wood, the next thing we want to ask you about is how you got into business. And normally when we ask a businessman how he got into business, the answer is pretty straightforward. I imagine with you there's an interesting story given your combination of interests. How did you get into your family business, and can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I, I got into business the same way I got into the church. I was just kind of born into it. So, like Kristen said, it, fourth generation family business. You know, I grew up. I grew up working in the family business since I was probably fourteen or fifteen years old. You know, I had warehouse jobs in the summers, did various things. I, I let's say I drove trucks when I was in college. And so, I, you know, business was just kind of, it's always been in our family. And that's really how I got into family business. The, the question is, how, how did I get into theology? And the way that happened is I was working in the family business after college, and I took a few of the evening classes at Birmingham Theological Seminary at, uh, at Briarwood. And I was doing that in the evenings, you know, just after work. And I, I became more and more interested in studying theology and decided to, to go to a full-time academic program at Westminster Seminary. So I did that and had a, had a wonderful four years there training with a lot of very godly teachers there and continue to pursue that interest in theology to St. Louis University, where I studied, especially with uh, Mike McClyman who is, a, I know, a friend of yours, Doug. That's right. Um, what I ended up studying in, in my doctoral dissertation was Abraham Kuyper, who was a Dutch Calvinist, 19th century Dutch Calvinist, right around the turn of the century, actually. And so that was the topic of my doctoral dissertation, especially his ecclesiology. That was, I think I graduated right, was it 07 or 08? And was sending out a gazillion applications to, to different academic positions. And I, I taught as an adjunct at, at a couple of places in St. Louis at that time and continued to do that for a few years. And our family, we, we wanted to get back to Birmingham. I, I was not having any success in, in landing a, a solid academic job, uh, still had some interest in the family business and doing that. And I, I called, I really called my cousins before I called my father, my cousins who I work with here, and asked them, you know, if there might be a place that I could be useful there again at Woodfruiter. And that's, that's how I, I kind of ended up back at the family business uh, after, after studying theology for so long. And it turned out to be a really good opportunity for me and my family as well. Just one last codicil on this one. Can, tell our audience just a little bit about the business. What do you all do at Wood? Oh yeah, sure, sure. So we are we're a food service provider. What that what food services is we sell groceries to restaurants, hospitals, schools, camps, a variety of kind of healthcare customers. So we're a grocery company, but but we're not doing retail groceries. We're doing uh, institutional sales. We're a wholesaler. Uh, we cover Alabama, a little bit of Georgia, a little bit of Tennessee. Mississippi, the northern part of Florida, and we, we started here in Birmingham, and my great-grandfather started the company in 1913, so we've been around a little while. Well, that's a nice segue into uh, the question I wanted to ask you, and really into the topic of this <laughs> podcast, and that is how you and others like you are seeking to make a difference for Christ's kingdom in the workplace. 
And so I wonder if uh, you can talk more about uh, your Christian faith as it impacts your work. Um, you've already talked about your background and interest in theology um, and, and that you come from a family of Christians. So it, it sounds like it's already a strong Christian uh, business, but how has your faith impacted the way you work, the way you lead a wood fruiticer, and what difference you're hoping to make in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? So, I, yeah, Kristen, I've been thinking about this question, and I think the best and, and most honest answer to this question is to say that a lot of what we do here uh, at our business is it's kind of prosaic. We're not, we're not developing the latest software technologies or, uh, you know, the next new camera for the iPhone. And that, and so that said, I think probably a lot of folks are in businesses and jobs that are like that. And the, the opportunity that I see for Christians there is just a kind of, is kind of a simple faithfulness and, in taking the responsibilities that are that are in front of you. That's very much how I, I viewed my own responsibility at Wood Fruitiger was, uh, it was an opportunity for me, there's a responsibility in front of me in the family business and an opportunity to work there. And, that, and that's kind of how I viewed it. And I continue to view it that way. You know, the virtues I think of a good businessman or businesswoman are fairly simple. Being honest, being, treating your employees and all of your stakeholders, whether it's customers or employees or your own, or your own vendors fairly, which is to say being honest with them, being straightforward, uh, um, you know, not, not taking advantage maybe when you have, when you're able to even, but I think, I think those kinds of things are the virtues that, that, you know, that make for a faithful Christian businessman or businesswoman in the, in the marketplace. Like I say, there, there's nothing too, too extraordinary there, but it, but they are the kind of things that I think a lot of this, you know, day in, day out, have to manage, have to remember. Yeah, that's wonderful. John Halsey, I hope you don't mind. I've got a kind of a, a seminarian's question for you that I think could be interesting to our audience as well. A guy like me is really interested in whether or the degree to which your theological education, your theological studies, your theological reflection makes a difference in your business life. Is there any kind of intersection there that might be interesting to reflect on for a minute? Yeah, there, there is. I think that's a great question because I have this, this dual interest in business and theology, and I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I think since I've been back to, to Birmingham um, and working in the family business, there have been a, I've, done, I've done more and more reading kind of in the intersection, I guess, of social ethics and Christianity, as well as um, capitalism and Christianity generally. So, you know, I think that I think that the good of business is that it is that we have this opportunity to provide for our livelihood and for the livelihoods of all people that depend on us, whether they are, you know, our family, our churches, communities, the softball team, yeah, just that kind of stuff. And that's not insignificant. I mean, that's an important thing to do to be able to provide and help support the livelihoods of, of all the people that depend on us. That's that kind of prosaic responsibility that very it's a very Calvinist I guess, kind of responsibility. That's, that's the Protestant work ethic, isn't it? You know, there's also, in my mind, though, there's also, I think there's some ambiguity as far as what the Christian's place in the marketplace is, what the um, kind of the direction of our actual concrete, you know, economy in, in, the, in the United States, in the West, 
um, where things are going that, that I haven't, there's some ambiguity that I haven't really fully figured out myself. And I'll just give you an example of something that, um, that's been on my mind lately. And this, this is, these are the kinds of things that having that theological background, for me, these are the kinds of questions or issues it opens up. But I might not have been, at least myself, I might not have been aware of without that. But I just happened to have been reading lately Matthew Crawford's book, Why We Drive. I don't know if you've seen this. So he, he wrote this book that was very popular a few years ago called Shop Class is Soulcraft. And that one made, I think, the New York Times bestseller list. Was not, it's not particularly uh, a spiritual or religious book in any way. But so Matthew Crawford is, is this guy. I think he went to the University of Chicago, PhD, the University of Chicago, was on the Committee for Social Thought there, really traveled in some high-powered intellectual circles, and now he runs a small motor repair shop in Virginia. So I'm very sympathetic to, to someone who has this kind of background, both the, kind of a dual background. I mean, he, he's, he's you know, very interested in, in ethics, and he's also just kind of living this life where he's, he's not actually doing that anymore ethics, you know, proper academically anymore. He's, he's repairing motorcycles. Uh, and just kind of living that out in a, in a very small town in Virginia is my understanding. So he wrote this book that I've been reading, Why We Drive, and he, he makes some really interesting points. One of the things that he says, though, this is kind of a philosophical point, is that he says that um, there's a difference between freedom as a choice and freedom as agency. And one of his concerns is that the way market capitalism is going is we're kind of reducing all of our freedom to a kind of choice, you know, a choice between this product or that product. A choice between this shampoo or that shampoo, or this restaurant tonight for dinner or that restaurant. And, and Crawford says, yeah, that's a really thin kind of freedom, if that's all that we're left with, is just choosing between these kind of consumer options. And at Wood Fruiter, we have lots of consumer options. So I, I, I feel that on a day-to-day basis. But Crawford makes this point, I think it's really interesting. He says, but there's a, a kind of fuller uh, notion of freedom, freedom as agency, I think he would call it, that is being lost in our economy, especially as this kind of you know, highly technologically driven economy. Freedom as agency is the freedom to be able to do something yourself. So with my children, you know, they ask me why they have to do their homework. And I say, well, because if you don't learn math, you can't do math. You won't be free to do math. I mean, you literally will not have the freedom to do math. That's freedom as agency. Freedom as choice is the ability to go choose between a num- you know, any number of restaurants that you want, you know, that, to have a myriad of, of, opportun- of opportunities to choose what you want for dinner. Freedom as an agent is, to be able to, is the ability to be able to cook for yourself. The more that technology takes the place, technology and bureaucracies, these highly efficient technologies, highly efficient bureaucracies take the place you know, we might say actual handwork, manual work. In a way, our economy is, is pushing to the side this kind of freedom to be a, an agent for, for something that's very thin, just the freedom to be able to choose between, you know, five different hot sauces on your hot wings. I think there's some things like that that, that concern me about the marketplace and, and kind of the direction that things are pushing right now. Yeah, that's a <laughs> profound point, one I hadn't thought about in those terms before. So it, does that affect the way you do business? Uh, obviously, you're a theologian who can articulate right. these things very well, but just practically day by day, does it make a difference in the work that you do as a businessman? 
Well, that's where, that's where I have to say, I'm not sure what to do about it myself. I mean, I can kind of see the problem that, that someone like Matthew Crawford raises, and it kind of makes me at home. It makes me take some more care, for example, with my own children to sit down and actually do things with them. I mean, frankly, just little things, fix things around the house and show them how, how things work. Um, because right. there's some dignity in actually you know, mowing the grass yourself. For example, I get that. At the kind of macro level of a business, it's still very hard for me to figure out, you know, what that means. You know, we, when, you're, when you're in a highly competitive industry, like we are a relatively low margin industry, when you find a technology that works, that uh, enables you to be more efficient, to be more accurate, you take hold of it because that's a competitive advantage. And if you don't take hold of it, your, your competitors certainly will. So, you know, we're, we're, there's, there's just kind of this environmental pressure, you know, when we talk about something like technology to, to go along in a certain direction. Yeah, so th- to answer your question, it is, it, that's where I find there's some ambiguity for me is I, th- I think those are the kinds of things that as Christians, we can have some sympathy with, uh, you know, with, with what Matthew Crawford is saying. We understand uh, what that means. We want people not just have a great, uh, you know, paycheck, we want them to actually have dignified work, you know, not just to be a key puncher uh, or someone who is overseeing some machine that does work, but to actually, you know, enjoy and take some pride in in the work that they do themselves. That's Um, good. Yeah. And so I have some sympathy with that. I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, what exactly what that means. We have a lot of pastors and other church leaders who listen to the podcast, and they may be thinking, how can I do a better job at partnering with the business people in my church to uh, expand God's kingdom? And we know that businesses open doors to people and places that otherwise the local church may have a problem getting inroads to. So maybe you can talk about what unique opportunities your role at Wood Fruitaker is open for you for the gospel um, on an individual level, um, on a company level, and, and maybe even help us think about as, as we're talking to pastors, maybe some advice that you would give them on how to uh, relate to their business people in the church. It's a couple of things that, that come to my mind here. Um, as, you know, as far as how business or how businessman, business person contributes, um, and, and the simple and obvious answer, but I think important answer is that we make money. Generally, if a church makes money, it's not a very good thing if they show profit at the end of the day. I mean, that's, that's kind of something to be concerned about. That's, I mean, it is business's role in our community to, cre- to provide and create wealth, and I think that's important, and that's kind of this. I guess that's kind of the chief role I see that we have. And then to be responsible with how we use that wealth and, and um, you know, how, you know, the, the things that we support and provide for. I think this, the second thing is, you know, asking that question, kind of what difference does it make at work? When you're at work, you're generally in a, even in the Bible Belt here, you're in a much more diverse environment religiously than, than you are at church, at least, at least for me, that's, that's you know, clearly the case. And you're, and you're coming across, uh, you're crossing paths with a lot of people who, um, who you wouldn't necessarily see on Sunday morning. Not that they don't go to church, but they're just, you know, they're not, they're not uh, part of that community. 
at least your church community, and uh, and yet you're kind of living life with them. I spend more time with I spend more time with the people here at Wood Fruiter than I do with anyone at church, and probably more waking hours than I do with my children. Um, so I'm so I'm very you know aware and conscious of what's going on in, in my friends' lives here, the pe- the friends that I work with. The the main opportunity that I see there is is to pray for them. I try to, on a regular basis, keep in mind the people that I work with, my friends here, and their needs, and the things that I can be praying for them for, because, you know, everybody is kind of just go, going through life. They have the the kind of normal challenges and struggles and, you know, occasionally tragedies of life, and I probably see these see these people here, you know, my friends here, as, again, like say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of walking through these these things with them. You know, we're kind of encouraging each other and trying to take care of each other, get through these things. So that's, I think, you know, for a pastor to be, you know, just to encourage and support business people, you know, realizing they're kind of in these, in this kind of environment. Um, I mean, I think that's tremendous. I think, you know, constantly reminding, reiterating the gospel. I mean, that's, that is, can't be underestimated the importance of that, I think. John Halsey, how has the COVID epidemic affected your group, Wood Frutiker? Um, has it been devastating? Uh, yeah. Has it been not so devastating? And is there some way in which uh, the Christian faith of some of the folks in leadership at your company has made a difference there? I'll tell you a little bit about where we are as a business and how kind of how we've handled it. And um, that'll give you some, some idea of what it looks like. You know, early on in, in the corona virus crisis you know, back in March and April um, there were there was some very scary times I would say for there were several weeks that were really difficult kind of scary weeks where we, we did not know what the future was going to hold um, our sales were probably for a few weeks there they were probably about 40 or 50 percent of the same weeks mm. previous year and and that would be absolutely unsustainable for us as a business we just couldn't we wouldn't last you know, some things are sustainable uh, and some things are just like shut the business down. You can't survive. And that at, the, at those rates, we would have been at shut the business down kind of uh, situation. Um, that didn't last long, thankfully. You know, it, it, that went on for several weeks. Um, everybody here was tremendous, to be honest. Everybody in the organization um, knew that that you know the livelihood of the business and all of us attached to it was was at stake, and um, it just wasn't time to stay home for us. We you know we we have this kind of place in the economy and the and the kind of the the food chain where if we don't show up at work, nothing happens, and that means I mean that's like go home again kind of situation. So we had to show up at work, uh, had to make sure that people get, people get their groceries, um, whether it's a, a nursing home, the nursing, nursing homes, obviously they, they don't shut down. Hospitals don't shut down um, during a crisis. And we had a lot of, we have a lot of customers that are like that schools, some schools uh, that were still open, various things like that, Help, um, nursing homes, daycares, things like that. So it was it was it was very difficult for a few weeks, but gradually through the end of April and May, business began to pick back up. And we're not where we were last year, but we're 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 doing well, I would say again. Um, so we went through this period where we just had a lot of a lot of uncertainty, and um, 
that was actually surprisingly difficult to me um, personally, just to actually consider the possibility that, um, you know, that, that we would not be able to sustain the business. And I know it was, I know it was difficult for everybody in the organization. Um, I mean, cause we're talking about a lot of people looking at, you know, the, the future of their own livelihoods. Thankful to be where we are now. I'll tell you, I think the difference that Christianity makes that we have um, the hope of the gospel has been that we, we do know where ultimate things lie and they don't, they don't lie at Woodford or, or our economy or our worldly jobs. That definitely takes a certain amount of anxiety away, I think, a certain amount of pressure. Um, it's not to say that it's easy to persevere in those situations, but I think there's a tremendous amount of comfort there in the middle of this. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Are you familiar with the journalist Ezra Klein? Yes. He, so editor, I think it's a box. And I was listening to one of his podcasts yesterday. I mean, this is just yesterday. And you, you just have to listen to the introductory, I don't know, five or 10 minutes. And he is, he, he's genuinely afraid. I mean, he, and he is still in the, um, I mean, he, he's still kind of talking in apocalyptic terms. And, and I get it because I know, I know what it's like to, to look down and see, well, wow, this may all be gone tomorrow. And I don't know, I you know, I, I don't know what, what Ezra Klein's, you know, what his livelihood looks like right now, but he, it was clear just from the rhetoric, the claims that he's making. I and mean, I think he said, he said it was like he was living in the book of Revelation. Hmm. That's what, it, that's what his experience today, you know, in September, you know, six, whatever months is, is still like. Uh, and I think there, I, I, you know, I take that, I take that fear and anxiety sincerely. I mean, I think there's, I think that's real, um, regardless of, of you know, how we may view the actual kind of situation on the ground. There's a lot of, there's a lot of frustration, anxiety, fear. Our political environment definitely ratchets that up for everybody, I think. Um, and uh, it, it, is, it is important to know that, um, that the kingdom of God is, is going to stand forever. Um, you know, I, I look at I look at Woodfruiter and, and business as as mainly part of the city of the earth in Augustine's terms, and that city has a has a certain shelf life. But the city of God, of course, is go, is going to last forever. And, and as, as Christians, we have membership in that in that eternal city. I, to me, that's tremendously hopeful in, in the midst mm-hmm. of what we're going through. I think that's what God has been really impressing on me to direct my hope to the, to the city of God. Certainly. Yeah. Wise and helpful words. You have been listening to Dr. John Halsey Wood Jr. of the Wood Frutica Grocery Company. He's also a theologian. He's a friend here at Beeson serving on our advisory board. He's a Stockholm program fellow at Sanford university. He's a father. He's got all kinds of things going on in his life. And so we are especially grateful to him for sharing some time with us today, sharing some wisdom for us, with us today. And we're grateful to all of you for tuning in. We love you. We're praying for you during these difficult days. We ask you to keep Beeson Divinity School in your prayers. We'll see you next week. Goodbye for now.
You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.